Good morning. And oh, and happy All Saints Day. Hi, Gracie. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start with Happy All Saints Day. Um, and kids, this is what we're going to talk about. Do you know what All Saints Day is? No? Sarah, do you know what All Saints Day is? Did you know today was All Saints Day? We're going to have a celebration upstairs. Happy All Saints Day. This is what we're going to learn about. All Saints Day is a holy feast day celebrated on November 1st. Happy November 1st. That began in the 4th century. People would gather to honor people who had given their lives to serve the church. Hmm. Welcome to Community Baptist Church. There's not there's probably not one regular member here is that is not a saint. And they've shown that this weekend. Friday night with the Harvest Fest or the Fall Festival, I bet we had 50 volunteers in here. It was just amazing. Yesterday with Upward, amazing. Salvation Army lunch, amazing. Our church is filled with saints. And for that, we are grateful. We welcome you to Community Baptist Church today. If you're one of our visitors, and we do have some new visitors, we hope you find this church as important to your life as we've all found this church. We want to um, ask you and all of our members to sign the Burgundy book here so we might have a record of your attendance today. There's just a tiny bit of breath we can take until this all starts again. But today, right after the service, there is a personnel team meeting. It will be back in Dr. Tim's office. Trustees meeting today? Nope, no trustees meeting today. Remember on Tuesday night, there will not be upward practice because of election day. And the men are going to cook a yummy breakfast next week. Is that right, Bob? Well, let me, let me, that's why we do announcements. Let me just tell you. Okay, next Sunday, please join us at 9 o'clock in the morning because the men will cook an awesome breakfast for us. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Keep your day, uh, keep your evening open. Uh, Monday, November 23rd, that is the Upwards Award Night, and that'll be one of those all hands on decks again, just like the Harvest Fest. Uh, the upward season will come to a close. And I think that's enough announcements. And thank you all for being here. And if we'll all stand and join together for this song of gathering, Oh God, our help in ages past.
Please join me in our responsive reading titled Baptism. We gather to witness the story of God's salvation acted out in the waters of baptism. In holy worship, remember your baptism and give thanks. Through our baptism, we are marked as a people who believe in the radical act of redemption through Jesus. We do not know what new thing will be born in us, but we ask God's grace to respond in Christ-like love. God, drench us in the living waters of your love. Immerse us in the depths of your spirit. Raise us once again to walk in the life of you. Amen. This is my friend Steve LaRue, and I am honored, honored to call him not only my friend, but also my brother in Christ, because he has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he has come proclaiming that faith today. He has come because he loves God. He loves this church and he wants to be a part of this church. And it already has been so much a part of this church. And so we celebrate with him today. He is uh, being immersed into this water and raised to something new. Something new in Christ. And as the uh, responsive reading said just a moment ago, We don't know exactly what that is, but we know that it is good because God is behind it. So we celebrate with Steve today as he is baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and as he is raised to new life. Steve, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here there is much water. What doth hinder you from being baptized?
You may be seated. Good morning, and please follow along as we read from Psalm 24, 1 through 6. The earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it, the world, and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas, and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false, and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord, and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. This is the word of God for the people of God. Hello. Hello. Hello, boys and girls. Girls and boys. Today, as Miss Mary already told you, is All Saints Day. All Saints Day. Have you ever heard of heard of any saints? Sometimes we hear of saints like Saint Mary's. Kind of in a name, St. Francis, St. Meinrad. Have you ever heard of St. Meinrad? St. Meinrad Arch Abbey is right down the road on the... Nope, that does not work. That, that one does not work. St. Meinrad is is, is, was named after um, a, a monk who was from Germany, um, and he... Um, became a hermit, I mean, that means he went off by himself, and he, um, he welcomed some wanderers to his place where he was living, and those wanderers, and he made them welcome, gave them a place to stay, gave them food to eat, and those wanderers wound up killing him. Um, so now he is known as the saint of, yes, that's very good, the saint of hospitality, St. Patrick's, St. Valentine's. There's lots of saints that we know. Um, All of those saints seem to be St. Francis. Have you ever heard of St. Francis? Maybe you've heard of Pope Francis. Have you heard of Pope Francis? Pope Francis took his name from St. Francis. St. Francis of Assisi was the patron saint of animals. He loved animals. He took great care of animals. Now, St. Francis was, a, was born into a very, very rich family, and he decided to give that all up um, to work with the poor and take care of the animals. Um, so Pope Francis was named after St. Francis. Now, all of those saints that we've just talked about are, are from 
long, 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 long time ago, and so they've already gone to heaven. They've already died. But here's the good news. There are saints that live around us all the time. Now, I looked up in the dictionary exactly what it means to be a saint, and it says, Great kindness, desire to do good to others, patient, great kindness, desire to do good to others, patient. And what I would also add is, chances are those saints in our lives go about, and the saints of the church, as Mary said earlier, go about doing that stuff and we don't even know about it. They just kind of go behind the scenes and they do their thing and we don't even know about what's happening. We just know that something's gotten done. Now, can we name some saints in this church? I can name some saints in this church. Doris Hall is a saint in this church. Dorothy Powell is a saint in this church. Mark and Nora Hobson are saints in this church. They're probably rolling their eyes at me right now. See, that's what tells me that they're a saint because they don't think they are. Larry White is a saint in this church. He goes about just doing stuff that we don't even know about. Um, Sybil Keach back there is a saint in this church. Jika is a saint in this church. She's one of the very ones that helped start this church. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jika and some of her folks. Um, So here's my question. Who do you... Who do you know as saints in this church? I'm going to open this up. This is going to be a children and adult sermon this morning moment. Name name saints in your lives. Just shout it out. Chris and Lana Hopgood. Mm-hmm. Saint Vince Davis. Yes. Vince Davis. He was on my list. I just hadn't turned the paper over. <laughs> Saint Mary Dunham. Saint Mary Dunham. Yes. Mar- I said Mark and Nora Hobson. Pay attention. Rachel already said this. No. It's Christine and John Cornelius. Jerry Wagner. We can name and name and name the saints in this church. We are very, very blessed to have some really cool people who just go about doing the right thing, showing great, great kindness and patience and their desire to do good for others. That's a saint. Um, So when you look up, and you realize that there are people in your life whose desire it is to do the right thing, to do great kindness, and to do exceptionally good things. Remember, those are the saints that God has put in your life. Um, And I will encourage you to follow in their footsteps. And one of these days, you could be sitting in church And somebody will look at you and call your name, Wyatt, St. Wyatt, as a saint. 
Who knows? Let's pray together. God, we can't begin to say thank you enough. For the folks whose heart desire is just to do good, who don't need recognition, don't want it, don't care about it, but they do it because they love you. And we get to reap the benefits. So we thank you for all those we have named today. And we ask your blessings. I thank you for these children who will grow up to be your saints. I ask your blessings on them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us pray. Our most, most wonderful and gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today on All Saints Day and thank you for all the people, saints, that have gone on before us. And we thank you for the saints that are amongst us today. Thank you for the church buildings and the hymnals and the stained glass windows that the saints have provided for us. And help us to do the very same thing and be saints as well with our lives, our tithes, and our offerings this morning. Amen. Thank you. 
How beautiful that is, and what what a talented rendition of that is. So thank you so much, and what a beautiful prayer that song is. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. How beautiful that is. And now I get to preach. (laughs) You, You may have heard the story about a man who died. And the man had a terrible reputation around town. He was a scoundrel. He was a drunk and a thief and a liar and just a mean, mean person. And everyone knew it. But he was dead. And his family felt that he should have a decent funeral and a burial. And so his brother approached a pastor and asked him to conduct the funeral. And at first, the pastor was reluctant to do it. You see, he was accustomed to saying good things about the people for whom he conducted a funeral. And to be honest, he didn't think he would be able in good conscience to say anything good about this person. But the man's brother convinced him by saying this. Pastor, I'll give your church $50,000 if you perform my brother's funeral, and while you're at it, call him a saint. Well, $50,000 is a lot of money. It'll pay down a huge chunk of their building debt. So the pastor reluctantly accepted the challenge, and here's what happened. The pastor stood at the podium and looked looked down at the casket in front of the chapel, And then he said to the congregation, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat the situation we face today. We all know what kind of man this was. He was a cheat. He was a thief. He he lied and stole. He never had a kind word to say to anyone. But my friends, let me say this. He was a saint compared to his brother. (laughs) 
Well, clearly the deceased in this story was not a saint, at least not in the way that we normally think of saints. So let's reflect for a few moments this morning about what it takes to be a saint as we look at our scripture for this All Saints Day from the Psalms. Of all the books of antiquity, the Psalms are probably the most appealing, not only for the beauty of, their, of its poetry, but, but also for the, the poignancy and the authenticity with which the Psalms were written. You see, the Psalms, uh, in the Psalms, we see the human heart wrestling with all of its imperfections. And along with that, we also see the perfection of God, a God who, who calls us to live a righteous life. Our psalm for today, Psalm 24, is a beautiful hymn. It begins like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For God founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And it says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in God's holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Those who do not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. This psalm marks an important moment in Israel's history. It was written just after David had repossessed the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines who who had taken it from the Israelites. And the psalm was sung during a procession of of joyous people entering the city of Jerusalem, following along behind the Ark as it proceeded towards the temple. And the psalm has, has two main themes that run through this psalm. First is the power and the majesty of God as the maker of heaven and earth. And then second, the righteousness required of men and women if they are to be blessed by God. So let's begin with the power and the majesty of God. The first thing that the psalmist affirms is that God is the ruler over all of creation. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, writes the psalmist. The world and all who live in it. For God has founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. D.J. DeHaan tells about traveling with his wife through northern Texas on Interstate 40. Uh, they had pulled off at a rest stop and on a metal sign there at the rest stop, they, uh, there was a description of the area that they had been driving through. And there was one sentence that caught DeHaan's attention. It said, traveling through the high plains of Texas is an experience in immensity. And that is true. Texas is an immense state. But folks, let me tell you something. Even Texas pales in significance to the immensity of creation. Just, here's an example. Just... Tonight, maybe, if it's a clear sky out there or the next clear sky that we find, just go outside and and look up at the clear night sky. If you live near the city lights, you may not see all that many stars, but if, if you live away from the lights, you will see literally thousands of glowing dots up in the sky. But folks, listen to this. Astronomers tell us that there may be as many as 10 billion, with a B, 
galaxies in the universe. And each galaxy contains somewhere around 100 billion stars. So in other words, the stars that we see are far, far away from us, but they are only a tiny fraction of what's really out there. Can you even imagine such immensity as that? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For God founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. But folks, not just the earth, but also the billions and billions of galaxies, they are God's as well. It's breathtaking if you truly try to get your mind around that. We worship an awesome, awesome God. Back during the French Revolution, some folks were determined to abolish Christianity. And so one night an an atheist loudly proclaimed his ideas to a poor peasant man from the country. And the atheist said, everything will one day be abolished. Churches, Bibles, clergymen, yes, Even the word God itself, we shall remove everything which speaks of religion. And so the countryman chuckled and the atheist asked, what are you laughing at? And the peasant pointed up to the stars in the skies and replied, I was just wondering how you and your crew would manage to get those down. In his simple way, he was right. You see, the stars speak of the glory of God. The trees speak of the glory of God. The birds speak of the glory of God. All creation bears witness to a God whose power and might is beyond our imagination. Now I realize that there are those who refuse to recognize the evidence that God has provided. Some of you will probably recall when Yuri Gagarin, uh, the Soviet astronaut who was the first man in space, he said that, When he came back from outer space, he said that he did not see God during his trip into space. Well, when a priest from the Eastern Orthodox Orthodox Church heard about Gagarin's statement, he said, if you have not seen God on earth, then you will never see God in heaven. Someone else sarcastically suggested that if he had stepped out of his space capsule without an oxygen mask, he would have seen God pretty soon. But we we understand what the priest was saying. If you're determined to shut God out, then there's no amount of evidence in the world that will be enough to satisfy your demands. But for most of us, to deny God's power is to deny what has satisfied the curiosity of some of the greatest minds who have ever contemplated the meaning of life. Sister Mary Rose McGeady in her book titled, Does God Still Love Me?, tells a a wonderful tale about a colony of mice who made their their home in the bottom of a large upright piano. These mice lived in a world of constant music. Music filled all of the dark spaces of their lives with lovely melodies and, and harmonies. And at first, the mice were impressed by the music, and they drew great comfort and wonder from the thought that Someone made the music for them. Someone invisible to them, yet close to them. 
And they love to tell stories about the great unseen piano player. And then one day an adventuresome mouse, a mouse uh, climbed part of the way up the piano, up into the works of the piano, and he returned with a, an elaborate explana- explanation about how the music was made. Wires! Wires! They were the secret. Tightly stretched wires of various length that vibrated and trembled from time to time. And then a second mouse ventured forth and came back telling of hammers, many hammers dancing and leaping on the wires. And so the mice decided that they had to revive, re- revise their old opinions. The theory that they developed was complicated but complete with evidence. And then in the end, the mice concluded that they lived in a purely mechanical and mathematical world, a world of wires and hammers. And the story of the unseen piano player was relegated to myth. But the unseen piano player continued to play the music regardless. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for God founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The first thing that the psalmist affirms for us today is that God is the ruler of all creation. The second thing that the psalmist affirms is that God demands righteousness from those who worship God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For God founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in God's holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The temple of the Lord sat on a hill, and and the hill on which it sat was referred to as the hill of God, the hill of the Lord, or the mountain of the Lord. For that was where God's presence was supposed to reside with the Ark of the Covenant. So why was this place holy? It was holy because it had been separated for God's purpose. That's what holy means. It's been put aside for God's purpose. And a holy God is separate and sanctified. That means that God is unique and in a a class by God's self. And any worship of God must be offered from lives that have also been separated for God's purpose, forgiven and made righteous, set aside for a new purpose like Steve's life was today. I suspect that the idea of clean hands and pure hearts is a concept that not many people would comprehend in our society today. You see, the the idea of separating oneself from such a society seems eccentric to us. I mean, who wants to be a saint? Who wants to be thought of as different? And yet, I imagine that those who so completely give themselves to God would know a peace that the rest of us can only envy. A 14th century writer, John Tolerus, once wrote that there was a great theologian who for eight years prayed for God to show him someone who would teach him the way 
of truth. And then one day when he was offering this prayer with great fervor, he heard a voice from heaven saying, go to the temple and there you will find him. And so he went to the temple and found a a poor beggar on the steps of the church, half clothed with a few dirty rags, and he was covered with sores. And moved moved with compassion, the theologian saluted the beggar with with the words, God give you good day, my good man. And the beggar said with a cheerful look, I've never had a bad day. So the theologian continued, then God give you good fortune. And the beggar answered, I've never experienced misfortune. And so the theologian exclaimed, how is this? You say that you have never had bad days and never experienced misfortune. And yet it is obvious that your life has been loaded with woes and miseries. To which the beggar replied, I will tell you that I have cast myself wholly upon the will of God to which I so conform my own will that whatever God wills, I will also. So when hunger, thirst, cold, heat, or sickness molest me, I do nothing but praise God. And whatever happens to me, whether it be prosperous or adverse, whether it be pleasing or unpleasant, I take all from the hand of God with great gladness as that which can be but good since it comes from a cause that can produce only what is the best. But, the theologian protested, if God should choose to send you to hell, what would you do then? And the beggar replied, I would immediately plunge into it. For you see, I have two arms. One is humility, by which I keep myself attached to God's most sacred humanity. The other is love, which attaches me to God's divinity. Now, if God were to cast me into hell, I would cling to God so tightly with those two arms that God would be obliged to come with me. And with such companionship, it would not grieve me much even to be in hell. (laughs) Who can you be, wondered the theologian, at this man's great faith? And the man said, I am a king. Where's your kingdom, asked the theologian. In my soul, he answered. For I know so well how to rule my faculties, both interior and exterior, that all the powers, inclinations, and affections of my soul are completely subject to me. Tell me, how did you learn such great perfection, asked the theologian with great admiration. By recollection, meditation, and union with God, said the beggar. Then he said, I was never able to find peace in anything less than God before I succeeded in finding the Lord. And since then, I enjoy peace each day of my life. And where did you find God, asked the theologian, who longed for that kind of peace. And the beggar replied, I found God where I left affection for all other things. In other words, this beggar found peace when he gave himself wholly to God. 
He found peace when he left behind his dependence on things or worldly concerns. Anything that might come between himself and his relationship with God. And my, friend, my friends, I think that that can be a message for all of us here today on this All Saints Day. There is perfect peace, perfect peace to all who truly trust in God. And there is no peace anywhere else in the world. So do you want to be a king? Do you want to be a saint? Then trust God in all things and give your life wholly and fully to the Lord. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 287. And this is a, a hymn. It's a prayer. And it's a hymn that will, if we follow the words of this prayer, we truly will be saints of the Lord. Take my life. Lead me, Lord. Let that be your prayer today as we conclude this all saints service. And as we ponder what it means for us to be saints of God. Take my life. Lead me, Lord.
Please be seated for just a moment. Um, we serve a mighty and powerful God, don't we? And we, see a, and we serve a God who loves us so much. And if we are faithful to God, even if we're not faithful to God, God blesses us over and over and over again. And we have been blessed today. We've been blessed by seeing such a demonstration of faith as Steve being baptized. And we're blessed again today with Chanda Lebo, who has come to uh, present herself to our church. And she says, I want to be a part of this church because there's a lot of saints here. (laughs) And you know what? She is right. There are a lot of saints in this church because you, people of God, are faithful to God. And I am so grateful for each of us. And I I think that's probably something that prompted Chanda to to come here and to be a part of us. Is that gratitude that she sees in knowing that there are people of God here who are faithful to serve God. So Chanda has come to, um, uh, to move her membership here to Community Baptist Church. And I know that you will gladly... Uh, uh, welcome her with raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Shanda, we are, we are so glad that you are part of this, part of our church here, part of our congregation, and among the saints. <laughs> Not to say that there aren't saints elsewhere, but there, we have a particularly high percentage here. <laughs> and and I, I will tell you what I tell every person who joins this church. And I've been doing it for 11 years, so there's probably people out here who can say it for me. <laughs> every member of this church is, a, is a, not only a saint, but a minister. We are the family of God here. And we take care of each other. And we minister to one another. And we minister to the church out there, or out there to the people out there who need the ministry of God. And so that means that we look forward to ministering to you in the days ahead. And we also look forward to your ministry to each of us as we serve God together. And as we live out a life of sainthood. So I know that you'll want to come and speak with Chanda and welcome her into our congregation. Let us stand for our benediction. Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who blesses us, chooses us, adopts us as children, who forgives our sins, redeems us, and lavishes full grace upon us. Go now with clean hands and pure hearts, proclaiming the love and the mystery of God's will. Amen.